One of the things I believe in life is that God quite often calls us to place, places where we are uncomfortable. I believe quite often in life God will call us to places where we are really uncomfortable. Go back and look at the life of Jesus. If you look in the Gospels, Jesus, the, probably one of the highlights of Jesus' moment, of li- the highlights of Jesus' life was his baptism. I mean, that was a glorious moment. The heavens unfolded, the Spirit descended, God spoke. It's beautiful. And then literally, the very next thing that happens is the Spirit leads Jesus to the wilderness where he's tempted. I think quite often God leads us to places where we're uncomfortable. Now, hear me. There's a difference between being unco- between comfort and contentment. You can be content while you're uncomfortable. Look what Paul says in Philippians, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Back up a few verses before that where Paul says, let me, you know, let me have all things, let me have nothing. You know, I can be content in no matter what circumstance I find myself in because I have God. Because I have Christ, I can be content. Now, you can be content while having nothing. You know, you can be content while being hungry. You can be content while being afraid because your contentment lies in the fact that you are God's child. So God calls us to be content in him. But quite often God calls us to places where we are uncomfortable. Why? Because when we're uncomfortable, we have to be totally dependent upon him. And as our Father, that's what God truly wants for us, is for us to choose to be dependent on Him. Sometimes He calls us to places that are uncomfortable. As you may know, my background educationally was in chemistry. I was going to be a doctor. I was raised my entire life to be a doctor. From the time time I was six years old, I was going to be a doctor. I was going to go... um, I was going to go to a certain school up north that I'm not going to mention because I like being the preacher here. Um, and I was going to major in medicine and go to UMC and then move back to Bogachetta and be a pediatrician. That was my life's goal. That's all I ever wanted to do was that right there. That was what I wanted to do. And then God had different plans. He called me, instead of to that school up north, he called me to Mississippi College where I Felt the call to ministry. I said, okay, Lord, I don't want to do this. (laughs) I do not want to do this. But if you're calling me, I'll do it. But hear me, Lord, I want you to write this in the official minutes. I don't want to do this. (laughs) But he wouldn't leave me alone. He made me uncomfortable. And I had to obey. I had to. But the one thing I told myself when I entered ministry was this. Ministry for me would never be a career. It's a calling, not a career. What does that mean? Well, there's been two times in my ministry where God has made me uncomfortable and I had to obey even though I didn't want to. When I was at my, one of my churches, my, one of my churches out of seminary, you know, y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I was a terrible fit there. I was a terrible fit at this church. I loved them, 
and they love me, but I was not a good fit. I didn't fit. I just didn't fit there. There's sometimes a ministry where you can be a good preacher and they can be a good church and you can just be a bad fit. And that's what I was there. And for three years, I was miserable. I struggled. I, I worked hard and I preached and I prayed and I visited and I did everything a preacher was supposed to do. And it just wasn't working. I wasn't the guy they needed. I knew that. I knew from day one I wasn't the guy they needed. And it killed me. It was killing me, killing my soul. My poor wife, bless her heart, you know, she encouraged me so much. To this day, I can't ask Holly an honest opinion about my sermon because she'll say it was good even when it wasn't. Because for three years I was so unhappy and so just such a bad fit. So I asked to move. Even though I was, everything was on the outside was good. Numbers were fine. Money was fine. I was supposed to be there for a while. But I couldn't stay. I just knew I was a bad fit. And I had to move. I, would, it, it, I just knew in my soul I had to move. I knew I had to move, even though I loved the people. And I told them, I said, I'm moving because I love you. God disturbed up my soul. Then the move here. I'm being very transparent here, so we might not want to put this on the Internet. <laughs> Y'all, I could have stayed at Asbury the rest of my life. We were happy. The church loved us and we loved them. We were happy. We weren't looking to move. In fact, we'd asked to go back. The church had asked for us back. I got a phone call. Would you consider it? I said, no. <laughs> no, I would not. I'm happy. I told Holly about it. And fellas, always listen to your wife. Always listen to your wife. She said, you need to pray about it. I prayed about it. And I rem- God reminded me that at the altar at Christ United Methodist Church in 2006, I made a promise to God to order, order my life by word, sacrament, and order. And I made a promise to God to go where I was sent. So I called the DES and said, hear me, I'm not asking to move. But I'll go where I'm sent. But hear me, I'm not asking to move. I'm happy. <laughs> but I knew God had different plans. Sometimes God makes us uncomfortable for our own good. Sometimes God makes us uncomfortable because it leaves us no other choice than to be dependent upon him. Sometimes God calls us to places of uncomfort. Why am I telling you all this? I don't like talking about money. It makes me very uncomfortable. I was raised, you don't talk in public about politics, religion, or money. That's how I was raised. To this day, I discourage my children from talking about money with people because that's just how I was raised and how I'm raising my children. I do not like talking about money. Yet here we are in stewardship time, and I got to talk about money. So I'm not going to approach this today as a you better give sermon because, by the way, I think there's two mistakes we make with tithing. One is for those of us that are new to the faith or haven't really thought much about it, it's we just put some dollars in the plate here and there and don't really think about what we're doing, about how God, Scripture is clear from Abraham with Melchizedek to the prophets where God talks about tithing. There are biblical foundations for tithing all across Scripture, 10%. Biblical from the beginning to the end. We don't think about that. We just put it, give God what we want to when we can. 
On the other end, we approach tithing as we're paying our membership dues. You know, we pay our membership dues to our health club and to our insurance, but we sometimes approach giving to the church much the same way. It's neither. Giving to the church, giving to God through the church is an act of worship. It's able giving God the first fruits of his offering. So there are, I'll be glad to unpack biblical justifications for tithing and giving at any time with you, but I don't want to do that today. What I want to do is I want to talk about something that a friend of mine told me one time that just always stuck with me. There are two things you can do that will truly change your life for God. One is to serve and one is to give. So I want to talk, we'll talk about the serving part next week. Today I want to talk about the giving. When you give to the church, when you give to God, by the way, when you give to God through the church, the church is a means to an end. You are not giving to the church, you're giving to the kingdom through the church. We are simply a funnel for God's blessing. When you give to the kingdom, to the church, you are in many ways making God bless you. And I'm not talking prosperity gospel. Somebody called Dave Ramsey one day and said, Dave, I'm tithing. Well, I, go, I won't go bankrupt, right? To which Dave responded, I tithed before I was bankrupt. I tithed while I was bankrupt. And I tithed after I was bankrupt. Tithing is not some type of protective hedge against bad financial decisions. But what it is, is it's God's way of making us be blessed by being part of something bigger than us. When we give, it changes our lives in two ways. It forces us to, or encourages us to be part of something bigger than us. When we give, it changes our lives. It changes us. Paul says, when you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. When you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. We become part of something bigger than us. We have to be dependent upon God. We have to, when we give it to God, we're telling God, we believe you. We trust you. We, we know that you are going to take care of our lives. We know that you are going to, that you are going to, the Bible says, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. The Lord knows you have need of these things. Look at the lilies of the field. Are they not clothed with splendor? Look at the sparrows in the sky. Does your father not notice when one of them falls to the ground? The Lord knows you have need of these things. So keep ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God knows what you need. And when we have to take that step of faith, because for many of us, giving is a step of faith. For many of us, it is an uncomfortable thing. For many of us, we don't want to do it. I get it. I understand. I've been there in ways of uncomfort. But what I'm telling you is when God makes you uncomfortable, it's for something bigger. It's for something better. It's for your own good. God calls us to places of uncomfort so that we can be dependent upon him. And when we give, it's not just our act of obedience but it's our act of dependence. Think about how many of us have taken pictures our children have grown, drawn. And maybe your children are little Picassos. Thomas is pretty good and Sarah is too, because they're my youngins, obviously. Take care for the mama. But I just, we put their pictures on the refrigerator. Because they're our children, <laughs> and we love them, and we're proud of them. 
their offerings may or not be significant. It's a picture they drew. But they drew it for us. And it thrills our heart. That's how every act of giving is for God. It may not seem significant. But it thrills God's heart. When we give, we thrill God's heart. We thrill God's heart. It's an act of obedience. He went as difficult. But in giving, it doesn't just change our lives, but it changes the lives of others. I was eating lunch with a friend of mine a few months back. It's about noon. And they said, my spouse is at your church right now. I said, wait, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? They, this family doesn't go to church here. I said, what do you mean my spouse is at, your spouse is at my church right now? I said, yeah, they're at a meeting. I said, what meeting are you talking about? There's no meeting going on at the church right now. I said, yeah, Andy. Think about what meets at noon at your church. AA. Y'all, we have one of the largest Alcoholics Anonymous group in the state of Mississippi that meets here at our church every day at noon. You know how they have the power to turn the lights on to meet? Your tithes and offerings. You know how they have the um, ability to meet because of the insurance that's in this building? Your tithes and offerings. I'm not being hyperbolic here. Your giving to the kingdom through our church literally saves lives and families. Literally. Your giving to the kingdom through our church enables there to be clean water in Honduras. Your giving to the kingdom through the church enables young men to go to Boy Scouts to see maybe for the first time in their life godly role models. Y'all, we're not even talking about the church stuff. Your giving to the kingdom allows this choir to proclaim God's worship every Sunday. Your giving to the kingdom allows Brian to mentor and teach young children so the gardener's family won't be here on Wednesday nights. Your giving to the kingdom allows these children to hear the gospel proclaimed. And because of your giving, individuals, families are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and lives are being changed and individuals are being saved. There are going to be people in heaven because of your giving. Your giving doesn't just change your life, but your giving changes the lives of others. And that is, a re- that is the reason why the first check, the Stoddard Drive, every month is to St. Matthew's. Because I believe in this church, and I believe in what this church can do for the kingdom. And I believe in the lives that are being changed through the ministry of this church. I believe in this. And I want to support it, not just with my words, with all that I am. When, and y'all, I hate talking about money. Friends, first time when I say that, but I do, I just got to be honest with you. But you need to hear what happens when you worship God through your tithes and offerings. By the way, that's why the offerings at the end of the service today. It's not a barometer on how good the sermon was, hopefully. But the, the offering 
theologically is a response. It is as much a response to the word being proclaimed as the altar call is. It's our act of worship. When you give, it changes your life. It changes your life, y'all. I promise you. I had a friend of mine that always told his church that if you tithe and you can't pay your, pay your bills, come talk to me. We'll talk about it. When you give consistently to God, it'll change your life. When you give consistently to God, it'll change someone else's life. I know those two facts for truth because I've seen it with my life. I've seen how giving has enabled us as a family to foster a climate of unselfishness in our household. And I've seen how giving has saved lives in our church. So, your takeaways today, not just the, I mean, of course, your spiritual takeaways are, are how giving changes your life and others' lives. But there are some other things we want you to take away. First, in your bulletin, you noticed we, ha- we do have our financial stewardship card. And we would, we would, hear me, y'all. If you want to turn this in today, great. But we're going to turn them in on the 23rd. And I want you to pray about this. You know, when somebody got saved at one of John Wesley's camp meetings, he didn't accept them. He didn't accept their salvation at that moment. What he did is he made them go for a walk. He made them go for a walk to think about what they were doing. And then if they still felt like accepting the Lord, he accepted them. I want you to pray about this for a week. Just pray about it. See what God wants you to do. Just pray about it. And we encourage you, if you've not done so, to take the power of 10 challenge. That's where if you're not giving anything, we'd encourage you to give 10 bucks a week. Just start giving. If, you're, if, if you can, give 10 more dollars a week. If you're close to a tithe, which is 10% of your income. By the way, somebody said, Andy, is it 10% of your net or 10% of your gross? I don't care. And the Lord doesn't care either. The Lord wants you to give. He could care less about, you can't outgive give God. So whatever you, whatever you feel led to do is what I'll say. I don't care. Give. And then if you are tithing, what more can you do? How can you be more faithful? So I want you to take this home and pray about it. Secondly, if you didn't get your dirt last week on the table, there's some more dirt and seeds left. So take the, I've loved seeing the pictures of individuals that are growing there. If you take a pic, if you're growing something, take a picture of it and send it to me or put it on Facebook with the hashtag take root. I've loved seeing that last week. The other thing, there's two, there's two new takeaways this week. First, this is right here. First ever Life Changers magazine. Our staff has worked on this. And it's a magazine we're giving out today that tells our stories. Hear me, we're not just asking, this is not about money. We want you to take this magazine home and read it. Show it to your friends. It talks about the great things our church is doing. All the ways our church is changing lives. So we want you to grab one of these. Your take, your take, your, your life changers magazine. We have, we'll have them around the church. Grab one, take it, read it, pray over it. And the last thing is this right here. This is when you leave church today. Everybody, go outside and get you a t-shirt. Everybody today is getting a free take root, free take root t-shirt. The t-shirts we wore last week when we gave the dirt out. When we were praying about stewardship this year, we're like, well, we could sell them. We could do whatever. I said, no, y'all, God's been good to us. 
God's been good to us. Let's, let's, let's buy it for the entire church and give everybody one. You know, you know, you know what we, we Methodists are good at? Not being proud of ourselves. I tell leadership this all the time. Methodists are fine just being good enough. Methodists historically are fine with just being adequate. Uh-uh. I want us to be as faithful and as good as our God is. So I want you to get a Take Root t-shirt. And I want you to wear it. And when folks say, what's that about? Say, this is my church. And God's doing great things in my church. And I want you to be proud of our church. I want you to be proud of our church. I want you to be proud of the church so you'll invite your friends to hear the good news proclaimed. I want you to be proud of our church so you'll invite folks to walk beside us in different ways. I want you to be as proud of this church as we are. And this is a visible public way that you can show your pride in our church. And the Take Root hashtag reminds us to take root here. So we hope you grab your magazine. Hope you grab a t-shirt. Hope you take a card and pray over it. No matter what you do, I pray that you're attentive to God's Spirit. And that you are obedient wherever it is He calls you to, even if it's a place where you're uncomfortable. Because when God calls us to places where we're uncomfortable, that's where we'll most see His grace. Let us pray.